Welcome to the Elijah Fire Podcast, where we jump into issues of today with faith and freedom instead of fear. And now here's your host, Jeff Tharp. Hey, welcome to Elijah Fire episode number 10. My guest today, I'm really, really stoked. Um, in my opinion, he's a giant among men um, in just what he's been doing um, around the world, specifically in the Middle East, in bringing the gospel. And he's just as radical as it gets in the most beautiful way for Jesus. So without any further ado, let's bring in my guest, Robbie Dawkins. Robbie. Hey, yeah. Thanks for coming on the show, man. I'm praying for palm trees. I just want to know that's what's on my shirt. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was my guess. It's Yeah, it's perfect. So, yeah. Thanks so, for having me, bro. Yeah, absolutely, man. So um, there's obviously there's a lot of people that know who you are. You've been on Flashpoint and a lot of other ones, but there are a lot of people who don't know who you are. So go ahead and introduce yourself to the people. Sure. Um, my, my, like you said, my name is Robbie Dawkins and uh, my parents were missionaries in Japan because they wanted to go to one of the hardest places in the world to be missionaries. And Japan is absolutely at the top of that list. Yeah. They call it the missionary graveyard, which I actually hate that name to be completely honest, but. But part of that, part of that is, is, uh, you know, is dual purpose because that part of it is that, you know, so it's hard for missionaries to survive there. The other part of it was because of all of the torture uh, that, you know, with early, um, you know, uh, Catholic missionaries that went yeah. and, and they, they, uh, the kid, you know, they, they martyred so many of them that they, that's, that's where that originally came really? from. Really? Wow. A, that's a, that is kind of a positive, uh, okay. you know, part, but then there's also the negative part because it's really hard for them to yeah. sustain. Uh, but anyway, yeah, my parents, uh, that, that obviously, had a big impact and influence on me of going to hard places, not going to do the easy thing. Um, uh, youth pastored for, uh, went to Christ for the nations for a short stint and then went to, um, I ended up in a smaller Bible college in Atlanta, Georgia, and uh, graduated from there and then uh, went into youth ministry, youth pastored for about 12 years and then ended up planting a, uh, got in while youth pastoring in Illinois, uh, got incredibly impacted uh, by the Toronto blessing. Uh, went up in 1995, a year after it had started. It started January '94. I went January '95, and just got lit, man. Wow. I tell you, uh, it, it radically revolutionized my life. Uh, Came back and uh, youth pastored a little bit longer at the church I was at and then planted a vineyard church because I was like, well, this is what vineyard is. Yeah. Um, and so uh, went and did that and uh, kept the fire with that there and that movement for a while. Uh, then was uh, invited to be a part of uh, some documentaries uh, that my friend Darren Wilson uh, yeah. did. Yeah, I have uh, his book. Yeah, he he. I've been blessed to be a part of every one of the films, um, and so. But yeah, it, and we just we actually just were shooting the the most recent one that he's working on. Uh, I and Jake Hamilton were in Alaska uh, shooting some stuff there just a, a, about a month, a little over a month and a half ago. Oh, cool! And so that's going to be coming. It's going to be really, really good. But anyway, so um, discovered there while I was when when I planted my church, uh, discovered uh, power evangelism. Uh, I remember, I remember being in Toronto and saying, man, if you could bottle what's in this room right now and take it to the streets, this will change the world. Mm. And, uh, made me look at acts two, totally different acts three, acts four, all the way through eight. And then through the rest of the, through the rest of the book. And I started going, man, we as believers need to be living the book of acts, not just within the walls, but especially outside of the walls. Yeah. Uh, begin to take a look at scripture and begin to realize that they weren't doing evangelism meetings. Uh, you know, all of so much of the Western church today has turned into Sunday being everybody's sort of seeker service. Uh, that's not how the early church operated mm -hmm. um, and began to realize evangelism wasn't supposed to happen in a service. Uh, it was supposed to happen Monday through Saturday. Or for them, you know, uh, Sunday through Monday, mm -hmm. or excuse me, Sunday through uh, through Saturday, yeah. and so all of a sudden, it just totally that started revolutionizing my thinking. It started training my church, little church, inner city, uh, gang ridden Aurora, Illinois. At that time, um, started uh, 
you know, uh, working and training them on how to operate in power evangelism mm -hmm. and, um, and began to learn a lot. A lot of what I know now in, in working with radical Muslims in that part of the world, I, I learned with working with gang members in Chicago and uh, learned how to push past the fear, learn how to not allow the enemy to use intimidation to hold us back, but realize too that risk and doing things from a standpoint of risk was actually operating in great faith. Yeah. And with some transformation come. And so um one of like John Wimber's teaching, right? The faith oh, is spelled R-I-S-K, right? Yeah. A matter of fact, he wrote the book on power evangelism. That's yeah, why it's called yeah. that. He wrote a book on that. Wow. Um, and he also gave a prophetic word to a gentleman by the name of Jay Christie Wilson. As a matter of fact, I have it's in this book, uh, The Apostle of Islam. Uh Jay Christie Wilson uh, later went on to be a uh, Later went on to be a a prophet Harvard, an Islamicist at Harvard, uh, teaching. Uh, you know, but he was he was a strong believer, spirit filled uh, man. Uh, but went on to teach basically other people that were uh, studying in missions on how to uh, evangelize in strong, very strong Islamic cultures. Mm. Uh, but John Wimber gave Jay Christie a prophetic word where he said, "Afghanistan will one day be one." Uh, to the Lord through power evangelism. Mm -hmm. And that power evangelism was going to bring a powerful revolution. And uh, we were seeing the start of that up until about a, a month and a half ago. We will see that finish because mm -hmm. God's word doesn't return void That's and right. that will be accomplished. And we'll see. Yeah. I'm committing my life to making sure that happens. But that was that so impacted Jay Christie Wilson that he uh, he, he actually ended up going back and getting much more heavily involved, uh, and pressing all of those under his influence to not just, uh, study Islam and the Quran and, and how to apologetically sort of argue, uh, faith for Christianity, but to get back to the original plan that Jesus had. And that was using signs and wonders, uh, to bring people to Christ and bring people into a relationship with Christ. I mean, uh, if God instituted it in the book of Acts, it's not broken. It still works today Come and on. we should be engaged in it. And I'm yeah. here to kick your audience in the butt a bit. Come on, do it. Yeah. So my it's, question. You stepped outside of the house, man. Go yeah, ahead. You, you, you basically sort of started answering a question that I immediately had, which was, so do you need, do you need to need to know? the Quran and, and, you know, Islamic culture in order to preach the gospel to somebody. No, according to, okay. Talk a little bit about that. Why? And a big part of that is love translates no matter what it helps. I don't want to take away from that. Sure. If you're going to move to a Muslim country or you're going to move to a Muslim heavy populated Muslim area, mm -hmm. you know, it, it's very helpful to understand the culture. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it's helpful to know that, you know, uh, especially in, you know, places like Iran and in Afghanistan and some of the more, uh, you know, around the stands, uh, you know, that you got to be careful, like with men touching women and women sure. touching men and even riding in a car together. I mean, Afghanistan is the most extreme of any of those uh, sort of Islamic cultures. I mean, wow. they operate to the, to the extreme degree. I mean, since ISIS, you know, uh, formed in Syria and started taking over there, you know, we saw an extreme form of that as well. But both of those groups are, are sort of the extremists in that sense. But you do not need to. You know, here's the thing. Uh, Jesus uh, came before, you know, Muhammad even lived, before he existed. And, um, you know, the, our love transcends everything. Um, you, you, Everybody needs to understand um, that when we go with the fruit of the spirit, uh, we are going armed with weapons of war. Peace that's is a so weapon good. of war. Yeah, that's so good. It is, it is a it's a weapon of mass destruction. Love is a weapon of mass destruction. Why? Yeah. Because the kingdom of God is upside down. And so everything works in reverse of, you know, in God's kingdom to what Satan's kingdom is, which is what this world system is operating mm -hmm. off of. And so we look at love and peace as sort of hippie stuff and sort of this, you know, pacifist perspective. But in the kingdom of God, these are weapons of mass destruction. This will destroy. So when Jesus said, I came to destroy the works of the evil one, how did he do that? Healing the sick, yeah. giving words of knowledge, you know, by looking at Nathaniel and saying, I saw you under the juniper tree. 
And this is what, you know, doesn't, he, he doesn't even have to say anymore. All of a sudden he's like my Lord and my King, you know, <laughs> he's like, that's, that's all you need to say. I know yeah, Deb, yeah. And so having that and, and everybody listening, man, let me tell you something, you know, my primary, everybody, everybody assumes my primary gift, my primary gift is healing. It's, it's on That's honestly a secondary. Uh, I'm, I'm a really a third generation prophet. My mm. grandfather was a prophet and, and my, my mother was, uh, was uh, nobody gave her that as a title, but I'm telling you, the woman was a prophet and wow. she had strong prophetic anointing that was, uh, you know, very powerful and, and, uh, you know, taught me in that. So it's a, it's a bit of a Levitical line in our family. So the prophetic is much easier. And when, for me, then, then even operate, then uh, doing healing and, and uh, other things. But, but when, when we step out and we begin to use it, especially with unbelievers, we're all, we're all worried that they're going to think we're weird. Mm. That's the church. The church thinks we're weird. Mm -hmm. Uh, The world doesn't. It's so sad. No, it is sad. Uh, yeah. World, you know, to to a secular world, going up and God showing me something for you, they're like, yeah, that actually makes sense. They're just mm-hmm. happy to know it's not that they're going to die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But but when you actually come with a message of life, a message of hope, and can I tell a quick story? Oh, uh, please tell tons. Oh. Your quiver is full of stories. <laughs> yeah. I do have a lot. Yeah. Uh, I was in Kabul. Uh, uh, it's uh, six years, five, no, five years ago. I was in Kabul five years ago and we were, um, we went to go get some uh, Afghan ice cream, which is not ice cream. Let me point out, by the way, it is a, it is a sort of a version of what you may think is ice cream, but anyway, yeah, an refreshing yeah. and I love it. And I was, yeah. I was playing along, yeah. but um, we're sitting outside of this uh, and, and you can't imagine it like in our, world of ice cream shops you know this is a you know we're we're having to hide um at this point isis had just uh, come in and uh, that particular year had killed uh, so many christians that year wow. so everybody was on high alert uh, so like us just being out and that was during ramadan oh, yeah. uh, i've gone a few times during ramadan just to demonstrate to them that the higher the risk environment the more signs and wonders they'll actually see wow um, because that's what faith is, as you aptly stated, uh, that John Wimber would quote yeah. all the time. So we're, th- we're sitting there waiting and, and I had just gone through this teaching on hearing God's voice and, and, you know, how to present, how to package, you know, a prophetic word or a word of knowledge, uh, to somebody that doesn't know what that means. It doesn't know how that works. And of course, in their culture, you don't, it, it only prophets hear from God, you know, so. Um, so it's a very powerful tool. Everybody has to realize the prophetic in, in, uh, for Islam is a very, very powerful thing because if you can read somebody's mail, man, poo, you, you've, you, they're going to pay attention. Right. And so, um, this guy comes just walking past the car and we're waiting. This other guy went to go get, uh, ice cream and, and bring it was bringing it back to us because they were, they were, they were mainly really afraid that they were, I was going to be spotted. Mm-hmm. And as a Westerner at that time, that was, uh, extremely dangerous. So, so we're waiting. And I looked at one of the ladies and I said, Hey, ask Jesus to show you something for that guy. And the way that I trained him was trust that first thought, feeling, impression, whatever comes yeah. as soon as you ask, you know, this is sort of Bill Hammond's, uh, original model was, mm-hmm. and just trust that first thought, feeling, impression, whatever comes. And so, uh, she's like, well, I, I don't really get anything. And I'm like, just do it. Just, just say it, just go for it. She's like, Oh, I don't, I don't know. I said, well, somebody, somebody else stopped and said, Hey, you know, we think Jesus is showing us something for you. And then they turned to her and sort of uh, put her on the spot. And she goes, well, she goes, I, I, I think you're worried about your daughter. And the guy goes, what do you know about my daughter? How do you know anything about my daughter? Who have you ever met my daughter? Do you ever know my daughter? You know, and he started getting really worked up. And one of the other guys stepped in and said, no, um, you know, and they were concerned because all this guy has to do is shout kofair. And in fact, kofair is infidel. Oh, okay. Well, they shout kofair. There's, there's no, you don't have to explain, you don't have anything else. Next are stones, bricks, bottles, mm-hmm. you know, uh, yeah. you know, it's big sticks coming at you. I mean, it, that's all somebody has to do is say kofair and that's it, especially during Ramadan. And so, um, so he turns and looks and he goes, I, I, or she turns and looks and says, I think he's about to shout Kofair. 
And I said, um, I said, ask him, is his daughter okay? And, and she started to ask and then stopped because the guy was still kind of hollering. And I said, no, tell him that there's something in his daughter's blood and it's killing her. Wow. And she turned and looked or, and, and, or actually there's the guy that stepped up and he said that he goes, he goes, well, he's saying that Jesus is showing him there's something in your daughter's blood. And even saying that, that Jesus is showing him, I mean, that could get, yeah. that could get yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he says, uh, he's saying that Jesus is showing him that there's something in your daughter's blood and it's killing her. And the guy steps back and his eyes get big. And he goes, he goes, well, my daughter has leukemia, which is cancer in the blood. Yeah. And he said, as a matter of fact, she only has a month to live. She's on in a bed. She can't get out of bed. We have to pan under her for her to even go to the bathroom. She she's not really eating much. She's barely drinking. You know, she's in her last days. And he says, but again, how do you? And he got worked up again. And he started and she goes, I really think he's about to shout Kofair. You know, we should probably leave. And I said, no, I said, tell him to call his daughter now. Tell him Jesus is healing his daughter right now. Wow. And so um, he's, he's kind of arguing a bit. And, and part of it, I think he was legitimately trying to figure out how did we know this? Because he, he, we were total strangers. Yeah. And um, but anyway, he calls and we hear this woman screaming on the other end of the phone. And we're like, oh, no, I hope that's not the daughter. <laughs> that, you know, here we go. <laughs> it turns out it's his wife. Okay. And she says, and by the time he had called, it had been several minutes from when I said that. Mm -hmm. And she said, uh, our daughter just jumped out of the bed, ran to the bathroom, used the bathroom and came back and is jumping up and down saying it's gone. It's gone. It's all gone. Oh my goodness. And she was totally, completely healed. And, um, and so he started crying and he's like, you know, uh, can you guys come back to my house? Can you come and, you know, share? Cause we were telling him about Jesus. We were saying, well, this is Jesus. Jesus is the Messiah. He mm-hmm. is God. He is the yeah. son of God. He is a part of God. Mm-hmm. You need to trust him as that. We're starting to preach the gospel to him. And he's like, come back and tell my family that. And he w- was really pleading with me because I was the one who said, you know, she's being healed right now. And, um, and she said, uh, he's, and I told him, I said, if I go back to your house, I could get you killed. I said, but, you know, just being a Westerner, that could happen, especially if ISIS at that time that was in the country, you know, found right. out. I said, but these guys can come to your house later and pray for your daughter, pray for your wife and share with them later. I said, but right now, you know, do you want to accept Jesus? Because Jesus in healing your daughter just introduced himself to you as God. And he's saying to you, I want a relationship with you. Now, how do you want to answer Jesus? And so immediately he says, well, yes. Mm. And I explained to him, I said, well, this is what that means. In a very basic, very simple way, we prayed with him. I have a picture of him in my phone of him kneeling down with the guys. We didn't tell him they had to kneel, but uh, he just knelt really, I think, to get out of view and uh, prayed and gave his life to Christ. And uh, and then amazing... uh, end of that story is now there are well up until a month and a half ago they had a house church meeting in their home and that that little family became a house church in wow. Afghanistan. and so bro i mean yeah. it ain't broken yeah we need to apply it and we need to expect those things to happen and you know with that i encourage everybody to realize you know yeah the lord obviously clearly was giving me some insight and he was you know, it's tapping into a gifting that's there, but but then saying your daughter being healed right now, honestly, that was a use of authority. Uh, I really don't believe that was necessarily a word of knowledge. I believe that was really? just speaking and making a declaration. Wow! And you know, we got to realize, man, especially in those parts of the world, when you make strong statements like that, I mean, they, they're powerful. And they take effect. They take root quick Mm -hmm. uh, because, um, you know, I totally believe that that was not something God was revealing of healing her, but it was completely uh, using the authority that Christ has given us and putting it to work. And boom, it happened. Yeah. So my question is, because I have a a couple of friends who go and minister in the Middle East. Some of them live there. Um, And one of the things that I found that was really profound, one of them was ministering in Iran. And they said they were like the people of Iran do not want Islam. That's and, true. 
And uh, is it the same in in other places in the Middle East as well? Help Elijah Fire continue to make an impact around the world. All donations go toward making Elijah Fire and the Elijah Fire podcast possible. Visit ElijahFire.com slash donate and become a partner today. I mean, I've, I've been to Iran twice and, and I can I, I totally agree. It's been a few years mm-hmm. uh, since since I've been uh, right before that trip that I was just telling you about. I was in Iran uh, the year before that, uh, but um, I haven't been back since because I've put a ton of focus in Afghanistan. Right, and so, in Afghanistan, yeah. it's the same thing. If you were walk around, uh, walking around the, the University of Kabul, um, students were stopping me going, we don't believe in Islam. We don't want Islam. We're not interested in it. We don't like this radical uh, you know, angry religion. We don't, we don't uh, agree with it. We don't appreciate it. We want to, you know, tell us about your Jesus. They would start asking me, tell me about your Jesus. And they didn't even know if I was, you know, a believer or not, wow. other than the fact of maybe what they were just picking up in their spirit. But uh, it was, it was, it was really powerful. And yeah, no, they're not interested. And, and throughout Iran, I mean, the, the mosques are empty. I mean, unless in the cities they're empty, in the outskirts, in the villages and things like that, you know, um, they, they, they are more occupied. But that's in the in, in more of the populated areas. They are just not. They're empty. Wow. People, people are walking away from Islam. They are not interested in it. They see it as a fruitless uh, religion and, and that a dead a death religion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's true. You know, I mean, if you take a look at Daniel 10 and the prince of the powers of Persia, I mean, clearly, you know, through the Persia, it's a warring spirit. Um, and that's what would be the, the principality over that area would be is a warring spirit that is uh, trying to occupy and destroy every human being in that area. Mm-hmm. And so um, people are, uh, yeah, they're hungry for it. And, and, and so if we give them a demonstration of power, and we give them a demonstration of the work of the spirit. They're, they're intrigued. They want to know more. Mm. And, uh, they just, they're just, they're, they're looking, you're never going to win Muslims through again, through an apologetic, you may win a few, but through an apologetic approach, the explanation just, it has got to be, if you through throughout, and especially in the most extreme areas, if you don't have signs and wonders, if you don't have uh, operating in the power of the spirit, you've got no game with mm. seeing transformation come. Because throughout the church, throughout the underground church, um, it, it is, it you know, uh, dreams, visions, uh, appearances of Jesus, uh, healing, uh, angelic visitations, they're pervasive throughout. Mm. And it's, it's just now they actually grieve when there's the appearance of the man in white to people. Uh, both the Iranian church and the Afghan church. And they say it's because they feel that Jesus is having to do their job for them. Mm. He's doing his job for his, the job we're supposed to be doing. He's having to do it because we're not doing it uh, the way that we should. Mm. Like, Hey, let's take all of it. Can you, can you, yeah. Can you explain for people who don't know what the man in white is? Cause people are like man in white. What, what is he talking about? What, what are you referring to when you say that? So, People who have dreams or have appearances, uh, Jesus will appear not just in visions, but literally physically mm-hmm. uh, and and appear to them and say, I'm Jesus. I'm the way uh, there's there's many people that that he'll just physically touch them and instantly they know this is Jesus. This mm-hmm. is God. This is the way to eternal life. And. Uh, there's other people that that he will come and bring uh, the mat. I came, I died for you. I laid down my life for you. This is the truth. You've been deceived. I want to bring you into into newness of life. Um, and so it's always they refer to him as the man in white because it's, it's always an appearance in white, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, to them. Um, and so uh, they'll, they'll now with many times some of the stories that they bring, they'll they'll talk about the man in white and they're telling it. I'm like, no, that's an angel just because mm-hmm. of the language. Uh, because they're not speaking of themselves when it, when it's Christ, he's speaking of himself. When it's Jesus, he's speaking gotcha. of himself. But when it's uh, you know when they're saying, "I'm here to lead you to God," I'm here to share with you about, then it's and then it's uh, angelic visitations. But they're pervasive throughout, and so they typically call them the appearance of the man in white, mm-hmm. and they sort of generalize it like that because when the unbelievers come, they don't know who it is, or they may say, you know, he. 
he typically identifies himself as Isa al-Masiya. Mm-hmm. If they're Arabic speaking or Farsi, though, he'll speak, uh, you know, his name in Farsi to them and say, I'm Jesus. I'm the truth. I'm the way. Uh, but again, if it's angelic, you know, uh, th- that's the reason why they just sort of blanket call an appearance from the man in white. Yeah. Uh, but it's when Christ is revealing himself to somebody. And yeah, it's happening. Yeah, and that it, I remember I was um, when I was in YWAM, um, Youth is Mission. For those who don't know, uh, missions organization, a guy came in and spoke, and it, there was I, I want to I can't remember. It was in Northern Africa, and it was um, so Arabic speaking, and it was um, a country that was locked down, and so they him and his wife just devoted every single day. We're just going to pray for them at this exact time, and finally the country opened, and they were able to go in. They went into this small village. And they started telling him about Jesus. And they even worked ahead of time to get the Bible in the translation of, you know, whatever. I don't know if it was a dialect or something. But anyways, they went and they told him about Jesus. And they were like, oh, Isa, we know him. And he's like, you do? And they're like, yeah, he's been coming to our village for multiple, multiple months. And it started with this one woman. And he would, he would speak to her and he would actually speak. She was like, oh, I like to journal. And Isa comes and he tells me things and I write them down. So she, they give her the Bible and they're like, oh, you're a journal. You might actually like Psalms. So she started reading it and she freaks out and she runs and grabs this big stack of paper. And it is the Psalms in like verbatim, like in her language and everything. And I was just like, no way. And so it turns out nobody believed her in her village at first, but then she's like, he'll come to you too. He said he wants to come to you guys. And so eventually one after the other, the entire village became saved because Jesus came and it was just like, Oh, cool. Like a lot of Westerners don't even have a gauge for that. Yeah, that's true. And I was just like overjoyed. Like I even get teary eyed about it, thinking about it now and chills sure. and it's just oh. like, yeah. And it's like that from what I understand, that's happening all over the place. And I mean, it is. Uh, and again, I'm, I'm so moved by the underground church's response and feeling bad that he's having to come and do their job, know. you know, and they, they actually, the fact that they feel that way blows my mind. But what touches me about that is that it presses them to engage. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it presses them to say, Hey, we're stepping this up. We're, you know, we're going to, uh, you know, plug back in and, and re-engage. And I'm, I'm, I'm very moved by the fact that they're, you know, that they're doing that and that they're, they're really, you know, stepping out and, and starting to see it. And that, of course, a, a lot of those appearances, I, you know, people, people think this is a new endeavor for me. I mean, I've been working with Afghanistan for over 18 years. I've been working with the Iranian underground church for over 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the, none of, none of this is uh, a, a new thing for me, but, um, but, but when we started, when we started, going, okay, we got to expedite our trips. I got to, I got to start getting there, you know, more myself. So rather than just sending materials, I need to physically be there. Uh, And a part of that was for the purpose of impartation, you know, and for the purpose of proximity uh, so that they, you know, they could catch it, you know, in, in just being in the atmosphere of it. Um, And, and that was significant. Um, You know, at that point, especially in Afghanistan, there was a major shift that occurred within the underground church um after that uh that second visit um you know where i went and, and was like okay i'm gonna spend more time and i'm gonna lay hands on as many of them as possible and uh get them engaged uh and and stepping up and you know really pressing them more and then all of a sudden we started seeing the church just explode and it just started growing like crazy um and of course the, the sad part about that is that's exactly what the enemy knew uh, you know, when, you know, our government, you know, threw the Afghans under the bus and uh, abandoned them and left them and, you know, did all of what took place where we all watched in horror what happened with uh, with this administration, just yeah. uh, clearly not not caring about how they're how this impacts them. But and, and the reality is all this is a plot of the enemy. Yeah. Um, and it, it's not just a plot of the, of the enemy influencing, you know, from his minions, but it's also, you know, influencing our government to make these changes. I mean, if anybody thinks this just happened, I mean, think again, yeah. um, uh, there was, there's knowledge behind this. I mean, there were, there were even movies, uh, I, I put out, uh, uh, I think it's lambs for wolves, uh, a movie that came out several years ago. I just posted a clip from it with Tom Cruise, 
uh, and Meryl oh, Streep. Yeah, Meryl Streep. That's right. Yeah. yeah, I saw it. Meryl Streep is the main character in it, and uh, hopefully everybody will see that as exposing the leftist party that she's very much diehard a part of. Yeah. But the reality is, is that it exposed it, it. They clearly lay out what would happen, and it's exactly played out. Uh, that's that exact way. So, I mean, this this the, 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 from my perspective, this is no accident. This didn't just oops happen. I think what caught everybody by by shock and caught them off guard is how quickly that it happened. Yeah. Uh, but I think, uh, you know, uh, when I was uh, doing the show with Steve, I, you know, commented that, you know, that, that the plan of the, uh, of the Trump administration was to handle it completely different. It was to keep everybody on the payroll um, because he was seeing it kind of almost, almost using it, operating it as an acquisition in many ways and, and then transitioning out, but keep paying all the people that were in government to stay in place. Well, as soon as Biden was inaugurated and came in, they stopped the paychecks. Yeah. So the, you know, uh, you had police officers in Kabul, you had military people, even the president himself, none of them had gotten a paycheck since January. Mm. And so when all of a sudden August hits and you haven't, you haven't received, you can't feed your family, you know, and the Taliban's rolling into cap. How's the Taliban rolling into town with, you know, truckloads of cash? How did that happen? Mm. You know, I mean, again, you know, this is a sinister plot of the enemy and, mm. and you know, working through, you know, our our governments to uh, to make it happen. And so, I mean, this is this is what and, and I and I'm completely, of course, from the enemy's perspective, the whole objective was to shut down that massive move that was taking place in the underground church because that mm. would change the nation. Yeah. Now, the sad part about that is, is that, you know, we've, we've had to, you know, get so many people, just our uh, group alone, just my ministry alone, you know, we've, we've gotten over 300 out uh, mm-hmm. on our own. We've got about 150, 175, I think more to go. Um, but, uh, you know, it, with each day, the Taliban is just cracking down even harder. Yeah. Uh, and it's getting worse and and they're still going house to house uh if if they if there's the slightest hint that somebody's christian they cannot buy food mm-hmm. they will not allow them to buy food um and now now notice this if you will uh the sinister plot again of the enemy you know that that you've got to be a radical muslim to buy food well we're sort of moving that way too with the vaccines you know i was just thinking of, about that yeah, it's it's yeah. where see this is this is this is again this is why the origin all goes back to Satan himself. This is the plot of the devil uh, to shut everything down and control everything. And of course, the the main objective is to stop the Church of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, it, it's not just about making big money; that is a part of it, you know. But uh, but the other part of it too is to completely shut down and control and dominate uh, the church because uh, it's the most powerful force on the planet. Yeah. being a part of the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. And so what we're looking to do, if I may segue into saying this, is oh, now yeah. they're out and into safer places. You got to realize the neighboring countries, a uh, country that yeah, I just got back from Pakistan and, and a lot of these neighboring countries uh, that are uh, surrounding Afghanistan are supporting the Taliban. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're, they're advocating for the Taliban. And why course, do you think that is? Uh, well, I mean, first of all, it's 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 an Islamic regime, and and these uh, you know these countries are as, are Muslim countries, and so they're going uh, that direction uh, in support. Also, they recognize. I don't think they would have done that had we not you know made the Taliban great again. Again, thank you, Joe Biden. There's a hashtag for you, people. Yeah, I mean, that's what that's what he's done is he's made the Taliban, he's left them, you know, arms. I mean, leaving keys and Humvees and tanks. I mean, it, it, yeah. you know, most of, most of most militaries, when they pull out, they blow up the ignitions and all those, mm-hmm. you know, the ignition switches and key switches and all those. Yeah. Uh, we didn't even do that. Yeah. Uh, you know, leaving tons of, of I mean, it, it, it's just ridiculous how this was handled mm-hmm. and it cannot be an accident. I mean, this no, is, there's no way an accident. Yeah. So all of the, all, the, the whole, whole uh, attempt and how this has happened. So, I mean, all of a sudden, you know, now you've got the Taliban um, who overpowered Russia back when they were the Soviet Union. And now we see it with, you know, they're seeing that as a victory over the United States. 
Um, you know, uh, and, and so these, these governments that are around them are going, Hey, you guys are kind of a superpower in many ways. So we're going to acknowledge you as that. Mm-hmm. So part of it is also fear and intimidation. Yeah, I get that. And then you got to realize too, that most of these neighboring countries, the Taliban's there as well. Mm-hmm. And, and in certain forms and, and fashions, maybe not to the point to where they're controlling the government as they are in Afghanistan. But you got to realize when, when this all happened in the first part of August, there was only, there was only 75,000 at the highest Taliban members. There were over 350,000 police and military, Afghan police and military. So it makes no sense that they were able to you know, totally come in and take over there, there, there's been a sinister plot in this. Yeah. And that of course we know is a, is a work and a plot of the enemy and, and, yeah. and, uh, you know, seeking to, you know, tear down and, and disrupt, uh, you know, what God was doing as mm-hmm. being the second fastest growing church on the planet. Yeah. And it does seem like, and we were talking about this before the show that there's a tendency that I notice with, um, specifically in the West, I can speak from the West being a Westerner, obviously mm-hmm. that, Social media often dictates what we care about and what we what we stop caring about. And so these types of crises that happen, it's like the flavor of the week, you know, or the flavor of the two weeks or the flavor of the month where it's like everybody cares about Israel and Gaza and it is the most important thing. And they're like, I'm making it my mission. And then the next week, something else happens about turtles and straws and people care about that instead, you know, and it's like. I think that there's a tendency to do that in my heart, especially with having you on the show is to bring this back into people's minds of just like, Oh yeah, this is still happening over there. And a lot of people are still very aware of it. Like, it's not like I'm not accusing people of being, you know, willfully ignorant again and yada, yada. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is we do have a tendency to get so inundated by what the machine wants us to think and care about that. We forget about, I mean, there are Christians still suffering in Afghanistan. There are still people that are stuck over there. And you guys and others like you are doing, the, you know, great work to get them out, you know, but you're only a small group of people, you know, yeah. um, but a big God, we have a big God. I want to say yeah. that, you know, so, and, you know, and with our, with our endeavor, I mean, we're, we're taking it several steps further and I'm not saying this is a comparison, like that the others aren't doing as great of a job. I mean, uh, we're taking it a step further because we're, we're not just getting them out. We're getting them out. We're housing them. We're feeding them. And then we are, our whole strategy is to re-equip them to send them back in and take back over their country. Mm -hmm. We can, we can even, I I sent you guys a little, you know, minute and a half uh, video that we can show at some point here, but yeah, it it really is uh, communicating of, of now. Okay. Let's, let's take this moment to uh to that that we've got them out of the country let's let's retrain regroup and let's get them prepared you know there's many of them one of one of the most powerful evangelists first of all the women in afghanistan are the most powerful evangelists that's the case also in iran the women are the leaders of the church the women's are the leader of the church in iran they're the lead they're not the leaders in afghanistan and that has a lot to do with extreme islam influence um, but, but man, I would take one Afghan woman over 10 Afghan men mm-hmm. in going out on the streets. They are fearless. Mm-hmm. And a part of it is, is because everything's been stripped away already. Yeah. I mean, their perspective is there's nothing left for you to take. Mm-hmm. So they're all in, you know, and, and in their minds, they've already laid their life down. They've already laid their bodies down. They've laid everything down. And so they're, they're, they are, they are really, truly, when I was in Afghanistan wearing my, Jesus is God t-shirt out on the streets. <laughs> yeah, next day, Dude. next day, two of the women came out wearing Jesus t-shirts, you know, out on the street. And wow. I was I was blown away, which by the way, we're in the process of making those Jesus is God and having them in Farsi and in Arabic. If anybody oh, wants so to cool. pay attention to our site, uh, yeah. you know, uh, be aware of the, uh, <laughs> the, there are dangers involved, but, you know, that's, that's again, how we see the kingdom come. And so um, one of the things that, that happened, I was just blown away by their, by their, by their uh, fearlessness, but we were talking, uh, I was talking to a group of guys that I've been training and, um, and, you know, they were all saying, man, we got to get out of here. We actually have that group out. Uh, They were one of the first groups I got out 
Um, and uh, when we got out uh, of uh, of there, uh, one of the, s- several of the guys were talking about, "Oh, this is so terrible! What the Taliban is doing? This is, they're going to destroy the country. They're going to do." And w- this one guy who is the most powerful evangelist there. Like what you're hearing? Help us continue to make Elijah Fire and the Elijah Fire podcast possible. To get behind this ministry, visit elijahfire.com/slash/donate. Now back to the show. I mean, this guy, I, I, I would love to tell you his name, but I'm fighting hard not to yeah. say it. I can't say it yeah. on here. But this guy, he stops in the middle of every of these other guys talking and sort of spewing their fear. I am a, a, a missionary in Afghanistan. We're, we're letting them talk just to let them get it out, you know, mm-hmm. to, to kind of process and let them share and let's hear them. And then all of a sudden, this guy stops and he says, at first, we didn't understand what he said, but he goes, he goes, Isa Shahi Shahan. And we were like, and all of a sudden, it got dead quiet. And I said, the guy's name, I said, uh, I'll say Q. I said, Q, tell me what did, what did you just, what did you just say? And he said again, Isa Shahi Shahan. And I said, what does that mean? And he's and one of the other guys drops his head and he goes, Jesus is Lord. Mm. He said wow. that, that just for them, man, that hit something in their spirit. And he said, the Taliban is not Lord. Every knee will bow to our God, to our king. Every tongue will confess he mm. is Lord. And let's keep our focus on that and not on how powerful and how damaging the Taliban is. And man the whole thing shifted after that. And that guy, get this, that guy stayed. And I was trying to get him out because he's the one with the biggest target on his head there because he's led so many people to Christ, Jeff. I mean, if I were to tell you the number, I'm afraid to tell the number because I don't want somebody to auction and figure out who it is. A lot, yeah. (laughs) So many people to Christ. And dude, he's under 30. Wow. He is prolific in evangelism, powerful, anointed dude. I mean, this guy is, and he's like, I am not leaving. He goes, this nation belongs to Jesus, and I will not see Satan. He goes, I don't care who sits in that. Uh, He kept saying that circle office. He meant the Oval Office. Mm -hmm. I don't care who sits in that office. They aren't Jesus. I don't care who sits uh, in the palace in Kabul. They aren't Jesus. Mm -hmm. And the Taliban isn't isn't Jesus. We serve Shahi Shahan, and I was like, man, it just shifted the atmosphere and yeah. everything changed after that. And with that, all the guys were like, yeah, we may get out now, but we're coming back. Yeah, <laughs> nation. Yeah. So it's, you the other yeah. day on Instagram, you yeah the other day on Instagram, you posted something that was it was kind of like uh you know. It was a, a guy wearing a shirt that was like, number one rule, don't get caught. And I thought that was like, what a great sense of humor to have in the midst of like all you of this. I was being like, smuggled over the border. <laughs> <laughs> I was laughing. I pulled, we pulled up and, and oh, I can't say the border town. We pulled up at this border town and all of a sudden he comes out and I'm like, no way. Were you wearing that? This yeah, you can see it. Everybody, if you look close, you can see it. It's on his Instagram. <laughs> So, of course that big smile is because he's out <laughs> yeah and it's like, so i mean it's just it's great man and like it's really cool to see the fruits of people investing in even you know your what you guys are doing to actually be able to see like he, you are rescuing people yes over 300 people yeah. is and those are, those are exact numbers i i hate to say this but i, I feel it's a, it's pertinent to say it there's there's a lot of inflated numbers from other groups right now that and it really concerns me because it's uh and and some claiming to do it that aren't and and and, and then a lot of groups god bless them they're getting people out uh but but not much else once they get out and the thing of it is you can get somebody to another country and they can immediately be deported and the and the Taliban is trying to negotiate that with these neighboring nations now so we need to really be praying that that gets blocked uh we're working 
very hard on our people uh, to get uh, documentation for them as quickly as possible. Uh, you know, uh, but it's, you know, when again, you're dealing with a system that doesn't really recognize them as a legitimate uh, religious group within their nations. And so it's really, really complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I've had death threats. Uh, we've had, um, you know, other things that have happened. Uh, we, we have to kind of go in, you know, as stealthily as possible. Uh, but, but yet uh, incredible things are, are happening. And, you know, let me tell you another story. One of the guys got, uh, one of my guys, that, that that's a group that I've been training for a while, uh, he got taken by the Taliban. And it was such a sad story because, uh, you know, while, while this happened, uh, they, they took some of uh, the people that he had been discipling and uh, shot them right in front of him, shot them in the head, killed them right in front of him. And they basically were like, tomorrow, this is going to be you. And that night, uh, Jesus appeared to him in a dream and showed him the exact time of when to go through a door and to get out. And uh, like the exact time of when to do it and what door to go through. And uh, basically, that's how he escaped. Uh, there's wow. there's a little bit more to that part of the story, but I can't tell it now. But at some point, we'll be able to tell it. But it's just incredible. And he was able to escape. Otherwise, they would have killed him that next day. And um, But they did torture him. And one of the things that that he said as he was having to sleep out in the woods and, and out, uh, you know, in the wilderness area. Uh, he had a dream that night where Jesus showed him that he was sitting with him during the torture and was holding his hand Mm. and comforting him through the whole thing. He said, he saw every, all the torture things they did to him in this dream. And he said, Jesus was there just, you know, saying, you know, I'm so proud of you. You're doing so well. You're, you know, stay. And he goes, and he goes, what's interesting was, and, and all of the, you know, all of, uh, all of those believers who've been through the torture, it's horrific, but many of them have said, I, 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 while they were going through it, they were all saying this should feel a lot worse. They were feeling pain, but they were like, this should be a lot worse. Wow but something is making it not as bad. Yeah. Something is making it not, you know, as strong. And so the Lord is active with these people and, mm. and, and, uh, yeah. able to get them out. So. Jeez. Yeah. Well, before we continue, Michael, let's go ahead and play that video that Robbie gave us. Imagine you're in your home in Afghanistan when all of a sudden you find out that the Taliban has come in and completely taken over the nation. And within a few hours, they're on your doorstep, throwing you out of your home, sending all of your family out into the street with nothing but the clothes on your back. Imagine trying to find treacherous terrain to cross over on paths that would lead you to a free nation, or at least that would give you some sense of freedom and having to cross that with young, small babies in tow and not knowing where you were going and not knowing where you're gonna end up. This is what happened to our brothers and sisters in the underground church in Afghanistan, the second fastest growing church in the world. This was Satan's plot to completely undermine what God was doing with the church of Jesus Christ in Afghanistan, but it cannot be stopped. Getting them out of the country was only the beginning. This is our opportunity to raise them up, equip them, and to send them back to retake the land that Satan stole from them, where I can promise you this, they will not stop sharing the gospel. They've known too much to lay it down. It's now our opportunity to rise up and to support them, stand with them, to rally behind, and to be the hands and feet of Jesus on their behalf. Encourage you join us in this endeavor. Bro, <laughs> make me want to pack a bag and go right oh, now. Oh, <laughs> yeah, man. Um, oh, I love that country. Yeah, yeah. Love and the thing country. that I think is, um, I think I've seen enough, I've known enough people from the Middle East to be able to say that. It's definitely this way too. But the thing I loved about when in my mission trips to 
um, you're uh, like, uh, like Southeast Asia, Asia as a whole, um, is they, I found that they didn't doubt, doubt, even the non-believers didn't doubt the existence of Jesus. He Not was for, like, for instance, in India, I'll speak to India. They didn't doubt the existence of Jesus, but he was one God of many. And, but so when they, when, when the miraculous happens, it's not, uh, they're not cycling through theology, their theology or their, you know, Oh, what does my denomination think about this? Like, it's just this very raw. Yeah, of course God can do that. Yeah. Of course Jesus appeared to you in person. Yeah, of course this, you know, and it's like, that's the thing that I love about the middle East, the East is, yeah, there's a lot of evil there, yeah, but the believers there are just like, man, like I love like African Christians. Are you kidding? Like they're amazing. And I'm just like, yeah, I just, I get so pumped up and middle Eastern, like they're fe- like fearless, you know? And it's like, yeah. um, well, and it's, it's, it's the, the, you know, Muslims are very mystical. And so they have a, there's, they, they have a lot of mysticism in them, which gives them a lot of faith. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to, uh, and it, well, let me, let me put it this way. I wouldn't say it gives them a lot of faith. It gives them expectancy. Oh, okay. It's them in a, at a posture of expectancy because of their mysticism. Yeah. Now, a lot of their mysticism is rooted in the demonic because that's the only power that they've really seen. Sure. It is satanic demonic power. Um, but that's enough to work into their theology to when they recognize one of the most, one of the most pervasive experiences and encounters that has changed Muslims in, in our ministry that I've experienced and that everyone that I know who operates in science and wonders in that part of the world is peace that immediately there's this overwhelming flood of peace that hits them. And they're saying things like, I haven't felt that much peace since I was born. I haven't felt this much peace since I was, you know, uh, a little child, and I've never felt peace like this. And this is the reason why I said earlier, it's, it's a kingdom where peace is a weapon of mass destruction, mm-hmm. because that peace will immediately flush out the demonic out of them, and it will fu- it will it will push away even the spirit of fear that that is operating to try to get them to walk away from it. I mean, it's a very, very, very powerful thing. And it's in it, Jeff, it's as easy as looking at them and saying, I released you now the peace of Jesus Christ. That's good. And, and using the authority to speak and to release peace, you know, uh, and, and upon doing that all of a sudden, and I, we wouldn't even have to say it. They would just start experiencing it immediately. Mm-hmm. But you can understand, you know, when Jesus says, you know, going into a community and in, in, in uh, uh, Luke 10, you know, look for the man of peace. Look when you go into a place, look for the person of peace, you know, um, because it, they, they already have some basic ingredients to work with. But you don't even have to find that there. If you just step into it. And that's the reason why I said you don't have to have an awareness of Islam. You don't have to have read the Quran or anything like that. You And, and by the way, I mean, the Quran is a very confusing book to read anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's it's put together in the order of how big the Surats are and to how small they are. It's mm-hmm. not even chronological. Wow. Order. Yes, I've never read it. So it's not it's not it's it's a very it's incredibly confusing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so but bottom line, I mean, there's a few good sort of nuggets where you're going, oh, yeah, I could see that. That makes sense. But the but really so much of it was influenced, uh, you know, by uh, the scripture by the word of God, you know, the Bible, um, that, uh, but, but obviously it was a demonic plot to derail and to hijack, you know, because they're, again, their view is that Jesus was a prophet under, not as powerful as Muhammad, Mm. but under Muhammad. And and therefore, uh, Muhammad was supreme. But the, the thing of it is, as soon as people have that encounter, man, bro, the encounter is everything with bringing people, and that's not just with Muslims, that's with Hindus, like you mentioned with India, mm-hmm. uh, that's with uh, anyone, that's, that's uh, whether they're Shinto in Japan or where, what, whatever they're uh, Buddhists in Sri Lanka, it doesn't matter when they, when they have that encounter, the encounter changes everything. Yeah, that's good. And that's where we're that Exodus 33, you know, people of the presence being where your presence sets us apart from all the other people on earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when we are carriers of that presence and that presence comes because when it to encounter that is to be transformed, you cannot be in it and stay the same. Yeah. And I found too, you know, I haven't had a whole lot of experience with like 
praying for people and seeing instantaneous healing yet, but that's something that I'm definitely like God is in Central Asia, brother. I'm yeah. telling you right now, people go, people go. I've had so many people say, you come on a trip with me. They're like, man, I, I honestly don't ever see that. They come in, they pray for one person. They're like, what? Yeah. And here's the thing. My perspective is, is that Satan is fighting harder here. We're in more of the battleground than even over there because I believe he, he sees uh, Islamic nations as being nations he already has possession of. And so he sees it, the battleground is a little bit more here because his, there's a fight to take, you know, uh, you know, sort of the big dog, if you will, and, and to do that. But he sees them as already belonging to them. So like if you pray for a Christian for healing, you're going to see non-believers, unbelievers get healed faster than Christians because with unbelievers, uh, you know, with, with us as believers, we're Satan's biggest enemy. So he's got to fight harder against us than even them because yeah. he already got them. Yeah. And it's also just that sleepiness, you know, it's like if he can there keep the Western church asleep, you know, but what's interesting is I think Satan started to see what was happening in Afghanistan and even in Iran and it freaked him out. He was like, okay, we're clamping this down, but naturally Satan always overplays his hand. And, yes. you know, cause it's like, you can look at, um, you know, footage or videos or pictures of like Iran and Afghanistan in the seventies and sixties yes. or whatever. And it was a totally different country. Much and I more. actually, God wants to restore better than that. You Absolutely. know? And so it's, uh, it is totally a demonic plot and a satanic plot. And it's what the enemy's trying to do. And the, and, and really this is our opportunity to rise up and to turn it around on him. I mean, we're in that process right now where it's, you know, like a few days after the crucifixion, you know, a couple of days later and thinking all hope's lost mm -hmm. when actually, you know, the ground's starting to shake. The resurrection is starting to happen. And as we as the church here in the West will get behind and be a continued support of the church throughout Central Asia, throughout these uh, closed nations, Man, I'm telling you right now, it could see, and those are seeds we're sowing for ourselves. We need that. Mm -hmm. We need to be sowing seeds right now for this nation. Yeah. Because I mean, the ultimate objective is the enemy coming and taking, and, and I mean, he's not even, he's not even hiding his agenda here anymore no. in the West. No. And it's out in the open. No. Yeah. So, so what would you, um, I'm going to, we're like out of time and I could talk for so long about this stuff. <laughs> I, I, I think I got like one pages of my three and a half pages of notes. Um, but that's okay. Um, we'll do it again. Uh, yeah, dude. I would love that. Um, so I know there's people who are like, I need to go like money is not enough. I need to go. I need to, what would you recommend they do? You know, I would recommend, you know, we're doing a few team trips. You know, we had several team trips, uh, planned and, uh, plotted out when COVID hit. And of course, again, again, no surprise there. Um, but, uh, we, what, what we're doing is we're, we're planning, uh, trips and, and, and taking people, we're, we're taking them first to countries to ease them into it. There's places like Armenia, you know, that are, that are safer countries, mm -hmm. nothing really in that part of the world throughout the Middle East and Central Asia is totally safe. Um, but you know, if we're looking to be safe, don't be a Christian. Yeah, um, you know, it's the most dangerous yeah. thing you can be a part of is is following the gospel of Jesus Christ, you know. Um, and so, you know, so if that's the case, to go all in instead, just put everything on the line. Yeah. And so taking people in trips, we, we don't want people to come just as a novelty just to say, oh, I did this. Yeah. Uh, but like we're, we're looking at trips to Pakistan, trips to Armenia, trips to Turkey, places that are a little bit they're, they're border places. Sure. Uh, but places they're that are sort of gateway gateway countries yes, to the larger Islamic world. They are gateway uh, countries. And so, uh, but they give you an understanding and they put you in, we did a trip to uh, Turkey where we took over 30 people from all over the world. Uh, and that was their introduction into ministering in a Muslim nation. Mm -hmm. And uh, people think of Turkey as, yeah, it's Muslim, but not that. Actually, Turkey is 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 in one of the saddest shapes. I mean, it's uh, less than 1% of its population is Christian. I mean, oh, wow. it's smallest percentages i think it's 82 million people and only less than six thousand christians there now wow. so they're, in, they're in desperate 
bad shape. But um, but taking them and, and training them there, tra- getting them involved, getting them an understanding and how to communicate the gospel to a Muslim, how to minister to them. That's what we want to encourage people to do. There's other groups doing it, too. I would encourage you to be. We especially want you to encourage you, though, operate in signs and wonders. Don't necessarily go with groups that are that are stopping you doing that, because otherwise you're just taking a tour. Uh, really going out and demonstrating the healing power of Christ. You, I mean, you'll see incredible things happen as you do. So can people get that information on RobbieDawkins.com? Yeah, yeah. And we're, we're, we're looking at, I mean, some of the nations that we had planned to go to shut down and are still shut down. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're, we're looking at other alternatives and other things to, to do that with. And so, you know, we'll be up and running with those soon, you know. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, go to our website and there's things to read up on there too. Cool. Great, man. Yeah. So then you can, obviously they can, people can get involved that way. They can donate through the link in the description. I also noticed in that video, it said RobbieDawkins.com slash partner. Can they do either or, or would you prefer them do the other link, which is the. Yeah. If they go to the, if they go to the one that says the breeze link, that'll take you straight to a giving link. The partner link tells you how to go, how to move into like a monthly partnership with us. Okay, great. Um, you know, we're, we have a very long-term commitment. This isn't like a one or two trips a year type of thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, before COVID hit, I was going to be in the middle East every month of 2020. Um, and so, you know, we're recouping on that now and sort of re-engaging with a lot of that now. Uh, but you know, it's a, the efforts have shifted a bit, obviously, because of the crisis in Afghanistan, um, and you know, trying to um, be a bit of a relief work and getting them out and getting them to safe places, safe housing, food, you know, uh, because they're be, they're not even allowed to eat, they're not even allowed to purchase food any longer. So, you know, getting getting all that uh, taken care of, and then retraining, reequipping yeah. uh, to reengage and to reclaim. Man, that's great. Yeah. Um, but the big takeaway for me with all of this is it's easy to allow yourself, the enemy to come in and, and to, um, I'm kind of beyond this to be completely honest, but I know when I was younger, this was a, a bigger issue of like looking at other countries and being like, woe is me. I'm so dumb. Look at me. I'm like concerned because my, you know, my food is cold at such and such place, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yes, be different. I was like, but I look at this and I go, what, what a blessing that we're still in a, you know, free country. And I go, these people are dying for the faith. The least I can do is be minorly inconvenienced by somebody for telling them about the gospel here, you know, and that's the worst that happens, you know, so let the being encouraged in it to everybody. It's, you know, small potatoes in the reality. Small potatoes. That's right. So uh, Robbie, just pray for, Afghanistan, pray for the people, especially those that are, uh, and, and however else you feel led, honestly, yeah, those people that are just like, ah. right now, I, I think you're 23, 24, that, you know, that God's really speaking to your heart right now. And, and, uh, there's some particular things that you've been, that's been stirring uh, in your spirit. Uh, and I think it's relating to Nepal mm-hmm. and I'm just hearing the Lord saying that he's, he's going to provide for it. You've been saying, Lord, open the door and I'll go. And the Lord's saying, no, you start to go and the doors will start opening. Um, there's, there's, there's something that's going to be released for you as you begin to step out. Uh, there's other people too, that, uh, the one particular person that is, that, that it, it, you wanted to do some things in missions in this part of the world, but there's been a health issue. And I hear the Lord just saying that as you again, step out and present your body as living sacrifice, there's going to be healing coming in that. It's not that God's withholding the healing from you from that, but uh, it's almost like you're staring the enemy down and saying, you know, no, this is going to be my living sacrifice in doing. And I just see a wholeness coming to you, uh, healing coming to you as you do. But for everybody, Father, right now, I pray for a holy, radical boldness to just descend on everybody as they're sitting in front of their computer, as they're sitting in front of their smart TV right now, that the fire of the spirit of almighty God will fall on them and that we will see that changing the world starts across the street. It starts with our atheist neighbor besides us. It starts with that family member that mocks us for being a crazy spirit filled believer. It starts right there to where we don't shrink. We don't, uh, pull back, but we engage instead and we see your kingdom come. We don't have to be argumentative. We don't have to be uh, spiteful, but we do need to keep our foot on the pedal and not back up. And I hear the Lord just saying, now is that time to step out. Boldness will meet you as you go. And as the Lord spoke to Joshua, when he said, now Joshua, 
Moses is dead and he's saying, take courage, be courageous. God is not saying he'll give you courage. He's saying, take it and make your identity courageous. And Father, I pray a release for that right now on everybody by the authority of Christ that we will take courage and make courageous our new identity in the mighty name of Jesus and to see nations transformed as a result. We thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Robbie, thank you so much, man. This was, this is like, thanks for having me. Oh yeah, man. Yeah, absolutely. So how can people follow you? Yeah, just go to RobbieDawkins.com. Also Instagram, Facebook, uh, my name, beware of the fakers. (laughs) Fakers be convicted. Yeah. Yes. Convicted and repent. Yeah. (laughs) You know how to prophesy because they're giving people words that I'm not and but asking for money and it's going to places that we aren't a part of but uh but yeah if you go to our website uh and and go there or if you go uh instagram um you know you can see the instagram page you can see the facebook page follow us there you'll get lots of updates we also have on the website have a newsletter that goes out we just released one that was giving updates obviously it was giving more information than i can give here um but that you can get a little bit more details of of what we're doing our vision is to plant schools all over the middle east and central asia and to take it back for jesus man what we're wanting to do there we go well that's our show everybody um be blessed if if god's doing a great work in you as a result of this and you're feeling the itch like just just do it like don't don't sit there and try and reason and be like oh maybe next next year or maybe not just like like no like the time is now like let's be bold let's be bold for christ let's do what what the holy spirit is is nudging us in the direction of doing don't wait so come on that's it. And engage That's your faith. That's what we always say on the show is engage your faith. And so, um, guys, have a lovely week. Be blessed. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. This has been Elijah Fire. Thanks for listening. For more episodes like this, you can check out the Elijah Fire podcast on ElijahFire.com, on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can watch us live every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific time on YouTube, Twitch, and Facebook. Elijah Fires presented by Elijah Streams and is part of Elijah List Ministries. Click the link in the description for more info on how you can donate today.